0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Simple Power Podcast where we think practically about the presence and the power of God. I'm your host, Duke LaMastra. Really grateful that you're taking the time to click to listen to this week's episode. Really excited that you're here. And hey, I don't want to take a lot of time at the beginning here to go over anything else, so let's just go ahead and jump right into it. So uh, there's something on my heart this week that I want to talk to you about, and it's simply this, and this is something that you've heard me say many, many times on this show if you've been a listener for any period of time. But you are the dwelling place of God, that you actually carry the presence of God with you everywhere that you go, that you are the dwelling place of God on earth. Now, if we go back to the Old Testament, The dwelling place of God on earth was a box called the Ark of the Covenant. And typically the Ark of the Covenant, by design, the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be within the Holy of Holies inside the tabernacle. At first, the tabernacle in the wilderness. Um, But then, later on, it was within the temple still in this place called the Holy of Holies. This place that no regular man could get access to, only the high priest. And there was a period of time throughout Israel's history where only the high priest could have access into the Holy of Holies to be before the Ark of the Covenant and therefore the presence of God, the glory of God, the manifest presence of God on earth. And so only the high priest could actually go in there. And the high priest was really only permitted to go in there once a year. And if you think about, I don't know if you're aware of, of, of all this, but let, let me just let me just explain it to you just in case. So the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year on the day of atonement in order to atone for the sins of all all of the people. Now, the high, the high priest had to have atoned for himself because if the high priest went into the holy of holies in an unworthy manner, meaning that there was unresolved sin in his life, that the high priest would actually drop dead. And so the high priest would go into the holy of holies with bells that would make noise on his robe, on his outfit and a rope tied around his waist, and the other end of the rope was on the other side of the curtain, outside of the Holy of Holies. So, the high priest would be in there doing his thing, and if the bells stopped making noise, what that signaled to the people on the other side of the curtain was, all right, he was unworthy, he died in the presence of God. And so they would use the rope to pull him out because obviously nobody else was able to go in and actually pull out the body. So they, would, they, they had this uh, protocol of wearing a rope and bells so that they would know that they had to pull out the man if he was killed because he went into the presence of God in an unworthy manner. That's what it was like in the Old Testament. They didn't have access to the presence of God in the same way that we have access to His presence today. And I'm probably, what I'm going to do here, let me read a few verses, um, and this was actually not planned at all, but uh, let me read a few verses here out of Second Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, this is one of my just absolute favorite, favorite portions of Scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 3. And let me start reading right around verse 7. I might skip around a little bit. So it says, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Let me explain what that's talking about right there. So, it's talking about how Moses in the Old Testament Moses had awesome amazing incredible experiences with God and i used to look before i really discovered the meaning behind this passage i used to look at Moses and i'd be like man Moses had these incredible encounters With God, like he'd go up on the mountain and just be in God's presence. He would walk into that thick cloud of the presence of God. Like Moses had these amazing experiences with God. And I'd be like, how come he had that? That was so great. Like I want to experience that. I want to experience what Moses experienced back then. But what you're going to see here in this passage is that what we have access to so far exceeds what Moses had access to that it eclipses it. That it's almost, the Bible will use this language, that it's almost as if what Moses experienced was not even glorious at all when you compare it to the glory that we now have access to because of the fact that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. So when it's talking about the ministry of death, it's talking about the old covenant, the law. All the rules that were in place and the regulations and all these different things that had to be done just right in order for there to be an experience. And so it's talking about that. How will the ministry of the Spirit, which is what we have under the covenant of grace, not be more glorious? Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation, again referring to the old covenant law, had glory, the ministry of righteousness... "...exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels." That's what I was just talking about. "...for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away." So Moses would come down from this mountain and the, his face was so bright and shining, radiating the glory of God because he had been in God's presence. And the children of Israel would look at him and they'd be like, no, that's too much for us. We can't handle that. So Moses would put a veil over his face as to not offend the people because they couldn't handle that level of presence. They couldn't handle that, handle, excuse me, that level of Of glory that was shining off of the face of Moses. But what it's saying is that it was glory that was passing away. It was fading away. It was like as soon as Moses would come out of the glory, the presence would begin to diminish. And they, in that case, they couldn't even look steadily at Moses's face like we just read because of that glory which was passing away. But we don't have access to glory that's passing away. We have access to glory that remains Verse 14, but if their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. The veil is removed in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, meaning the law, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is Is taken away. I love that. It's one of my favorite verses of all time because I love the fact that it does not say that the veil is taken away so that one can turn to the Lord. It's really significant because most people are under that impression that something has to be removed or something has to be right in order for them to turn to the Lord. Listen, as soon as you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That means that as soon as you turn to the Lord, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you add, invite Him to be the Lord of your life and you respond to the free gift that He gave by dying on the cross for your sins, right? When you respond to Jesus, the veil is taken away. That place of separation, of disconnection from your source, from your heavenly father, it's done. It's nullified. It is null and void because you have come into the covenant of grace. There's no waiting period. There's no hierarchy. There's no, if you do this, then you can have this. No, that's what the law did. If you do this, then you get this. But under the covenant of grace, because of what Jesus did for us, because of His death and His burial and His resurrection, because of the fact that when we give our lives to Christ, that He sends His Spirit to take up residence within us. He makes us alive. Our spirit comes to life. Our old nature is crucified with Christ, right? And we receive a new nature in Christ Jesus. We become clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus Christ, Right? So we are accepted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Again, from moment number one. Doesn't matter how many bad things you've done up to that point. You've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed so that you can experience all of the benefits of the fullness of what you have come into, which is the presence of God. Let I me mean, keep going because there's just a couple more verses left. Verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oh, we could tear that verse apart. That's that's going to have to be for a different day. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What I'm trying to point out in this passage is the simple reality that you have, if you have come to Christ then the veil has been taken away. And so there is no longer separation between you and God. His spirit lives on the inside of you. The Bible says that we are in Christ. The Bible also says that Christ is in us. Ephesians 2.6 says that we have been seated with Christ, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Like that's not just fun, cool, poetic, biblical language. It's reality. It's the reality of what Christ has accomplished for us and what he's invited us into we have access to the presence of God and so I get it look I understand walking around through an entire day completely oblivious to God completely oblivious to the fact that I belong to God completely oblivious to what's available to me believe me I understand I know how to walk through a day or a good portion of the of the day I know how to walk through a season of life even not drawing from the resources of heaven that have been freely made available to me. Believe me, I know how to walk around in anxiety. I know how to walk around in worry. I know how to walk around in fear. I know how to walk around frustrated and angry and disappointed, and you know, just thinking about my, my, my uh, you know, this "woe is me" sort of attitude and why these things are not. Wor- I get it. I know how to do all that. We all know how to do that. It's one thing to just simply say these things and make these statements that you carry the presence of God with you, that you carry his glory with you, that you're in his presence, that he's in you. And like, It's easy to say that, but it's another thing to become aware and conscious of the reality of what we carry. We carry him with us. We carry his presence with us everywhere that we go. You go to your job in the morning. You carry his presence with you into that place, when you walk into the bedroom at night to tuck your kids in, you carry the presence of God with you, when you go on that date with your spouse or with your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, like, you carry his presence with you, he's on the inside of you, he's real, he's real, like, he's real, (laughs) he's really, really real, and I get it, you know, we can, we can become unaware I can spend the entire day, like my wife and I, we can both have a day off and we can be at home and we can be in the house together all day long, but maybe she's in one room doing one thing and I'm in another room doing another thing and we don't really take time to engage with each other and have dialogue and talk to each other or or whatever. I could say that I'm in her presence. We're in the same house. We're in the same vicinity. There's proximity, but just because there's proximity does not mean that there's automatically intimacy. So it's one thing to be in the same place. It's one thing to have the Spirit of God inside of you. It's another thing to recognize His presence within you and His presence that's around you because you carry Him everywhere that you go. And I promise you, you know, this is not something that's that's overly deep or difficult to grasp or difficult to experience even. It's simply a matter of becoming aware. You know, simply a matter of sometimes just taking a few minutes to just kind of like stop and smell the roses, so to speak, to just kind of sit back, just kind of sit back in a chair or wherever you are, laying down in your bed or just whatever, and just take a moment, take five minutes, take 10 minutes, whatever, to just become aware, just to become aware of him, just to do something practical, to put yourself in that place of, you know what, God, I just recognize you right now, I recognize your presence, I recognize the fact that you're near me, you know, the Bible talks a lot about the face of God shining down on us, the light of his face, the light of his countenance. In the light of his face, there is life. And so even just something that's worked really well for me is just becoming aware of his face shining down on me. Because if you're anything like me, you can sort of like default in your brain to thinking that God's not happy or thinking that God's disappointed or maybe not even, to, maybe not even there. But just thinking that, like you know, you're not you're not good enough. You're not doing much. You didn't, you know, if you have a day where you didn't accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, you know, maybe you end that day just feeling bad, feeling down on yourself, feeling like like ugh, I just wasted my time. Like I didn't do anything productive. And I think if we're honest, I think that we have a tendency to wrap up our identity with our productivity. That's not how God looks at you. That's not how God looks at us. And so just taking a moment to remember. The fact that he's content with us. that He actually loves us. That he's actually in love with us. That he is such a lover. And his desire, the desire of the heart of God is to commune with you. It's to have intimacy with you. It's just to be near to you. And so just becoming aware of, God, I just recognize your, your presence. I just recognize the fact that your face is shining down on me. And, and just becoming aware of the fact that you actually have a Heavenly Father Who is intensely interested in you. And he's intensely focused on you. And he is intensely loving and passionate about you. Like, that might sound overly simple, but for me that's worked so well just to kind of recalibrate things when I forget. Or when I don't take the time to, or or, or I just forget in my mind to be conscious and aware of his presence. Because I promise you, when you walk through the day aware of who you carry, aware of who you belong to, aware of his presence that's actually with you in every single moment, aware of his grace and his favor that is lavished upon you. like When you walk through life like that, not just once or twice a week when you're in a church service, or not just maybe for a few minutes in the morning when you're reading the Bible or a few minutes at night when you're singing a worship song or whatever, but every single moment of every single day because he doesn't just come around you when you're doing spiritual things. He lives within you. you. He's with you all the time. And so again, I just want to remind you that you are the dwelling place of God on earth. That you carry his presence with you everywhere that you go. And that you can actually become more and more and more aware of His presence, of the reality of His nearness and closeness to you. To the point of this last verse that we read, it says, We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image. So it's like when we spend time focusing on Jesus, we spend time beholding Him, It's like we're looking in a mirror because we're actually becoming more and more like the one that we're beholding. And we would all agree, if we really think about it, that we become like what we focus on. We become like what we worship. We do. If we spend all of our time just contemplating negative things, for example, we spend all of our time just contemplating like the the bad things that are going on in life, what it's what's produced? More worry, more anxiety, more fear, more stagnation, more frustration. That's what's produced. That's the result of it. But when we spend our time just recognizing that we're face-to-face with the King of Kings and we're taking time to behold Him, to focus on the reality of who God is, to focus on the glory of Jesus then we're actually transformed. That becomes produced in our lives so that we begin to look more and more like Him. And it uses this phrase, it's from glory. We're transformed into the same image, from glory to glory. The glory on your life increases as you come face to face with the living God. And so, hey, I hope that this is an encouragement to you. This is not about your works. This is not about what you've done or haven't done right. This isn't about, you know, the fact that you didn't read your Bible this week. This isn't about any of that. Of course, it'd be great to get into your Bible a little bit more if you haven't read your Bible in a week, okay? (laughs) I'm not picking on anybody, though. But what I'm saying is, this isn't about that. This is about that when you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And I just want to take a moment, you know, I believe that that verse is talking about salvation. It's talking about that salvation moment when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. But I'm going to just use a little bit of um, liberty uh, at this moment. I want to take it just a little step further as I get ready to close here. Sometimes we walk through life as if there's a veil over our face. Sometimes we walk through life as if, like, when I married my wife, she came down the aisle with a veil. And just before she was handed over to me, you know, the the minister asked the question, who's giving this bride away? And it was her mother and her father that were there with her. And the veil was pulled back. And then she was able to step forward and I was able to step forward toward her. We took each other's hands and we went through that, you know, 20, 25 minute ceremony and we became husband and wife. We became one. The first... Part of that was that the veil was removed. Now on the other side of that veil, I had a different relationship with my wife. On the other side of that veil, I didn't have all the benefits with my wife that I have today. On the other side of that veil, there was, a, there was a much less intimacy, if you, if you catch my drift. On the other side of that veil, it was different. But on this side of the veil, my wife and I have become one. We're united. We're united together in love and we're united together in Christ. And there's a covenant there. And the covenant says that I am hers and she is mine. And that we have constant access to each other and we get to experience all the benefits of communion with one another and relationship and intimacy. Well, on this side of the veil, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, it says that there was a veil in the temple that was torn, it was like a four inch, it was four or six, I wanna say four inch thick veil, unwoven, just a single piece of fat, like impossible to break. But the veil was rent, it was torn into the moment that Jesus died on the cross for your sins to bring you into relationship with your heavenly father. That veil was torn, that veil of separation. And so now there is no limit, there is no limit. The call to you today is come as close as you want. Get as close as you want to the heart of God because you carry him with you anyway. He lives on the inside of you. And so there is nothing separating you. There's nothing holding you back except maybe your own thinking. And so that's what I was getting at a second ago. Sometimes I think that we walk around through life A lot of times with the idea that we're veiled with the idea that there's distance between us and god with the idea that we can't have everything with the idea that there's certain things that are only reserved for people that are uh, you know in ministry and people that are prophets and people that have these great callings and whatever you know all that stuff just let that stuff go do not walk through life with a veil when one turns to the lord the veil is taken away turn to the lord like never before because when you turn to the lord and the veil is taken away, where does that leave you? That leaves you face-to-face with Jesus. That, leave, that leaves you face-to-face with the living God. Live your life today. Walk through life today face-to-face with Jesus in awareness of His presence, in awareness of the fact that He's with you, in awareness of the fact that He loves you, that He gave everything for you, and that He is just into, he's intensely passionate about you if, if this works for you the way that it works for me, just recall to your remembrance the fact that his face is shining down upon you, that the light of his face, the light of his glory, the favor of his face is shining down on you as you walk through life. God's actually just happy to just watch you, to just look at you walk through life. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to enjoy the stuff of life right? This isn't about being super spiritual. This isn't about being religious nuts. This isn't about any of that. It's about being who you are, who He created you to be, and becoming aware of the fact that you carry His presence with you everywhere that you go, that you get to live in the light of His face every single moment of your life. So I just challenge you, I just encourage you, just become more and more aware of the fact that you carry Him with you everywhere that you go, that you are the dwelling place of God on earth. All right, y'all, well, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, if you made it to the end here, taking the time to listen to this episode in its entirety. I pray that it was a blessing to you. If you were blessed by this, if you would consider sharing it with somebody that you know that you think could benefit from hearing it as well, that would truly, truly, truly mean the world to me. I would also really appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, if you would hit the subscribe button on Spotify or on Apple or Google or wherever it is that you're catching this podcast, But again, thank you so much for being here and taking the time. I appreciate it. Hope you have an awesome, awesome week, and I'll see you next time.